0: This week in KMA Land, fast, furious storms whipped through KMA Land. Deadly twister strikes Madison County. Fireworks over fireworks at Shen Council meeting. Wind turbine moratorium attempts blocked in Page County. Clarenda School Board terminates South Page sharing agreement and heated debate over agendas on Red Oak Council agenda. I'm Mike Peterson. KMA land fell under the ides of March this week, one filled with turbulent, tragic weather developments and tumultuous area meetings. The long, eventful week began actually on Saturday with a severe weather outbreak. As expected, severe storms fired up in KMA land shortly after 2 p.m. when most of the region was placed under a tornado watch. Clint Egerter is meteorologist with the Weather Service's Valley, Nebraska office. Egerter told KMA News last Saturday's dramatic weather featuring tornadoes and strong thunderstorms developed as expected. It really
1: panned out kind of how we thought. We were just kind of on the very western fringes of the the greatest threat. We had a few severe thunderstorm warnings and some tornado warnings in our area. Um, And then everything kind of moved east into Des Moines area.
0: Page County was among those under the gun. Page County Emergency Management Coordinator Chris Greber told KMA News funnel clouds were sighted in the northern portion of the county. Well,
1: from what I saw out spotting around, we saw uh, just some pea-sized hail. Uh, some uh, real brief heavy rains came through. Uh, we did have some spotters out by Essex. that did see some funnel clouds in some rotation up that way. Uh, did not see anything on the ground or have any damage reports of damage anywhere around there. But the storm, like I said, went through really fast, so it was a good thing for us.
0: That same storm system touched off severe thunderstorm and tornado warnings in Montgomery County. At least one tornado touchdown was reported a mile northeast of Emerson shortly after 3 p.m. Montgomery County Emergency Management Coordinator Brian Hammond says funnel clouds were also spotted near Emerson, Elliott, and Grant. Um,
1: At this time, it appears the only damage that I've been able to confirm is just south of Emerson. On Highway 59, there's a farmstead that's been hit. It looks like smaller outbuilding that's been destroyed, as well as some power lines and other farm equipment that's been damaged or destroyed in that area. But we're continuing our damage assessment and waiting for phone calls to come in.
0: Hammond says the storm system moved quickly through his county. When
1: things did get um, going early this afternoon, just like what the weather service and everyone had been talking about, and said what happened, it did happen, and When those storms started popping, it really escalated quickly. We went from a severe thunderstorm warning to a tornado warning and then about three additional tornado warnings in that short time frame with all in about an hour's time.
0: During that time, Hammond says the temperature dropped from 65 degrees to 44 degrees. Severe weather then moved through Adams County where a twister touched down near Lake Icaria shortly before 4 p.m. Another tornado was reported near Green Valley Lake north of Creston. Union County Emergency Management Coordinator Joanne Duckworth says at least one home was damaged in that vicinity. We have
1: two in tail, mostly confined to the northwest corner of our county, uh, around 110th and Beechwood. We're not seeing anything south of 120th and Beechwood yet, so... Um, Nobody reported anything out there.
0: From Union County, that same supercell moved northeast and inflicted its full fury in Madison County. An EF4 tornado tore through rural areas south of Winterset, killing six people and damaging more than 50 homes. Governor Kim Reynolds toured the area Sunday and got emotional talking about the 200 to 300 volunteers who showed up to help in the aftermath of the tornado. It's
1: just unbelievable. I tried to walk through and thank them for being there and over and over, the response was, we're Iowans, and that's what we do. Reynolds
0: says the hundreds of volunteers who've turned out to clean up and help out embodied the true spirit of Iowa. We show up.
1: We take care of our family. We take care of our neighbors. And we take care of our community.
0: The governor issued a state disaster proclamation for Madison County, as well as six other counties touched by severe weather. An additional death was reported at Red Hawk State Park in Sheraton, bringing the storm's death toll to eight. Egeter says Saturday's storms ushered in a cold front that generated snow on most of the region Sunday afternoon and evening. And
1: That system go through gave us kind of anywhere from two to three inches really here over in the Omaha area. Some spots had as high as 4 inches. Definitely some some cooler weather leading to some snow. And then uh, again this week we have another one moving through kind of Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even into Friday time frame. It could bring us some more significant snow, I guess.
0: Another winter storm system dumped more snow on the region on Thursday. Proposed changes in the city of Shenandoah's fireworks ordinances were snuffed out at Tuesday night's regular council meeting. By a four to one vote, the council tabled amendments to the existing ordinance, which called for reducing the time period for legal fireworks usage to July 4th until 11 p.m. Under current regulations, fireworks can be shot off July 1st through the 4th and on New Year's Eve. Council members shelved the changes after hearing pros and cons from residents during a public hearing. Richard Jones questioned the number of residents who actually supported the changes. Jones claims reducing the number of days fireworks would be fired off would impringe on people's freedoms, including veterans. This
1: holiday period is for all of us to celebrate freedoms granted by the many, many years of much struggle and strife let's please make certain that the rights and freedoms of all residents are completely considered prior to abandoning eighty percent of our current fireworks ordinance by the voices of few to affect the minute.
0: Kim Terry spoke in favor of the proposed changes while saying he wasn't against fireworks. Terry spoke of problems at his residence following recent Independence Day holidays. We woke up
1: the morning after 4th of July and found it looked like a war zone in our front yard. The street was littered with trash and fireworks debris. On further investigation, I got a ladder and climbed up on my roof. I found three charred shingles. We had new uh, lawn furniture, cloth covered that had two charred places on it. I had a burn hole in the bed liner of my pickup, which tells me that these fireworks are not fully discharged and they reach their final resting place. Terry
0: called on safety and responsibility in the city's ordinances, something he says is missing. Councilman Kim Swank stated his opposition toward the proposed changes, saying his family was pro-fireworks. Swank says the amendment would adversely affect his family's celebrations. He also alleged the changes would prevent the planned fireworks show at Sportsman's Park July 2nd Acclaimed Mayor Roger McQueen refuted. They don't
1: get to have the thing that they've been planning and thinking to draw people to town, okay? Why why wouldn't they not? Because it's against the ordinance. (laughs) You're the one saying only 4th of July. (laughs) Yes, but it's saying private. I didn't say anything about a commercial thing. Okay, private. Okay, (laughs) a private one uses smaller things. A community one uses the big aerial stuff. This they go up a lot higher in the air, shoot up a lot, make just as much noise as they do if they were shooting in their backyard.
0: Queen says he proposed the amendments following discussions with former Mayor Dick Hunt, who received numerous citizens' complaints. Originally,
1: I'll be totally honest, I was completely opposed to having any fireworks in Shenandoah because if something was going to happen, somebody's going to get hurt, we're going to lose a building, or whatever. And so, but after consideration, after I talked to the fire department, the police department, some of the other ones, we came up with an idea to give everybody one chance to do it one day and do it right.
0: After considerable discussion, Councilman Cindy Armand motioned to approve the amendment's first reading, but it died for lack of second. Councilwoman Rita Gibson then motioned to table the amendment for reevaluation, with all but Swank voting in favor. Two more attempts at halting wind energy development in Page County were blocked at a lengthy Board of Supervisors meeting Tuesday morning, by two-to-one votes. The supervisors rejected both a 180-day and 90-day moratorium on the submission, acceptance, or implementation of any wind energy conversion applications and any recording of easements while the ordinance was reopened for review. Discussion followed in Venergy submitting its Shenandoah Hills Wind Farm application to County Engineer J.D. King Monday afternoon. Supervisor Jacob Holmes says the county has received numerous letters citing concerns of the current county ordinance, including from a pair of county offices. We have
1: received an email from our auditor's office with concerns of the ordinance. Something yesterday, our assessor has raised concern with some issues possibly that we need to look at. Jason, I got an email yesterday. I think we all did. Wow, we got we got some things we got to look at here. This is probably the biggest thing Longest-term thing maybe supervisors have had to deal with. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, this is a pretty serious thing.
0: One of the primary concerns raised by homes and citizens is the setbacks currently being from an occupancy rather than property lines. However, Supervisor Chuck Morris says during the ordinance's development process, the board could not find another county that utilized the property line in their respective ordinance. I think it
1: started in Adair County for me personally because they are the mecca of wind. We looked, at, we looked at ordinances and there was not an ordinance in the state of Iowa that went to the property line as a setback. There have been some property line setbacks after wind has been developed which essentially is a moratorium because of the way land apparently lays in Iowa.
0: Morris raised concerns that an ordinance change this late in the game could result in a lawsuit from Invenergy or those who opted into the project. However, Holmes says with the county not approving the project yet, they still do have some leeway.
1: If submission matters, then I believe we need to definitely do a moratorium. And if if somehow them giving it to J.D. yesterday at 3 o'clock means we can't change anything, if that means that. I don't see how it does because we get to vote on it. But if it does mean that. And again, I reach out to Carl, and he acted like he didn't think we could get, anybody can sue anybody. Like Chuck said, that's very true for anything. I tried to run this past him over and over again or how can we be liable for something we never signed? I don't understand that, and he said we aren't.
0: Morris and Supervisors Chair Allen Armstrong voted against the moratorium, stating they wanted to see the proposed project before changing the ordinance. The supervisor's discussion came after 29 residents spoke in the meeting's public comment period, expressing concerns over the project and several supporting at least one of the moratorium's discussed. On top of several pushing for property line setbacks, Ann Morrison, who lives near College Springs, says the decommissioning process of the turbines needs more regulation. What is the
1: process for decommissioning? Do we know the process for decommissioning? Um, I found very little information in the ordinance we currently have to give me any answers. I believe we need to be very specific about the decommissioning process, including how it's paid for, because in 20 years are we going to be stuck raising taxes to decommission all these turbines?
0: Meanwhile, Kim Tudor says she feels the ordinance is incomplete and lacks clarification in several areas. On top of failing to address the height limits of turbines and how many turbines can be used for a project, Tudor believes one thing that could be quickly addressed is lighting mitigation and exploring the use of aircraft detection lighting systems. Those
1: can be referenced in the legislation that was passed in North Dakota. That's already in place there. There's also a Senate bill in Kansas that they're looking at this week to put that into place. It helps to balance. We've talked about compromise and balance. That's one step that could be looked at and hopefully taken.
0: Other speakers on hand questioned the integrity of Invenergy. During a discussion to amend and approve changes to the ordinance, Holmes motioned to cut out Section 11.A, which discusses setbacks, and amend Section 11.C to list the required setback to 1,500 feet from the property line. Well, the motion wasn't rejected. The board unanimously tabled the motion. After three school years, a tuition agreement between the Clarenda and South Page school districts is coming to an end. By a 4-1 to one vote Wednesday evening, the Clarenda School Board voted not to renew a tuition-sharing agreement with the South Page school district for the 2022-23 school year. Implemented at the beginning of the 2019-20 academic year, the arrangement allowed South Page 9th through 12th grade students to attend classes at Clarenda High School in the afternoon hours. Clementa Superintendent Chris Bergman says the recommendation to terminate the agreement came after discussions with several teachers and staff. Bergman says the concerns ranged from financial obligations to smaller class sizes due to an already diminished teacher workforce. What, what
1: we want for our kids are the lower class sizes, the increased electives. Um, our own control of fiscal responsibility with our hiring and staffing, increased instructional leadership time for our principals, flexibility within scheduling and then hiring, four-year world language options for kids that are correlated house
0: Bergman also listed calendar alignment and the ability for students to take upper level classes sooner, freeing up time for internships. She also emphasized that the recommendations was a culmination of teacher, principal, staff, and administration concerns. While saying he hopes to keep good relations with the South Page District, board member Greg Jones says his district's concerns and well-being take priority for him. I think we've tried to be a good neighbor. I think we'll continue to be a good neighbor. And if we can help them any way we can, I think we should.
1: But as board members, our obligation is to our district, our taxpayers, our kids. And when I get stories of our kids not getting something they need, and I understand that sometimes you know, we should be able to work through every every issue with a solution. But I don't know it's, it's for us to work out a solution for another district.
0: Board President Darren Sunderman added that Clarinda already takes in several students from the South Page District through open enrollment. Meanwhile, Scott Honeyman pointed out that the high school's in-house numbers will only grow in the 2022-23 school year. The
1: factual evidence about it is we're limited on space. Class sizes are already an issue before we add students. Our eighth grade class coming in is much larger than our 12th grade class going out. which creates an additional issue. Elective opportunities are not available previously uh, because of the agreement. Our students not being allowed to take opportunities in our district because of uh, a student coming from another district. Shouldn't happen?
0: However, board member Paul Boyson, who cast the lone dissenting vote, expressed disappointment in the Claremont School District not finding a way to continue to make the agreement work after working personally with several small districts. We always shared
1: with each other to help. I am extremely disappointed that we can't find a way that we can accommodate the South Page kids. I think some of the things that I've read about why we can't one either we're unwilling or unable because 30 kids you can accommodate one way or the other
0: South Page Superintendent Tim Hood was also present in the meeting before the decision was made and stated no matter which way they voted, he was appreciative of the board's cooperation over the past three school years. Hood later expressed disappointment over the Clarinda board's decision in an interview with KMA News Thursday morning. From his district standpoint, Hood says the agreement with Clarinda was working well. We
1: felt that the uh, situation was uh, moving in a good direction. Did it have some issues? Sure. But uh, we were very Confident that we could work through those so uh, like I said we're uh, we were hoping that uh, we could uh, continue the uh, tuition agreement, but uh as a four-to-one vote says, that's not going to happen.
0: Hood says South Page sought a two-year extension of the current agreement, which expires at the end of the current school year. Now, Hood says the agreements end leave South Page scrambling for other options in terms of high school instruction and financial considerations. Financially, South Page paid $60,000 a year to and covered all transportation arrangements between the two districts. That
1: uh, $70,000 that uh, we've been spending Maybe we can uh, figure out how to use that at our place. As far as the district's financials, we are in good financial shape uh, moving forward. But everybody that knows how school districts run, the most expensive part of running a school district is your high school because of all the certifications and accreditation things you have to work
0: through. The superintendent says South Page will explore all options in terms of sharing with other districts. Not discussed during Wednesday's meeting was the status of a separate agreement allowing South Page's 7th through 12th grade students to participate in clementous extracurricular activities. Heated debate over meeting agendas highlighted Monday night's Red Oak City Council agenda. By a 3-2 vote, the council barely approved a resolution adopting a policy for the development dissemination and use of agendas red oak city administrator brad wright informed the council that the resolution would simply put in writing the methods used by the council for years he says having the process in writing will help streamline meeting the needs of those wishing to speak before the city council when somebody
1: comes in and says i'd like to talk to the city council as city manager and again it mentions that mentions that in this It's always my job to ask them, you know, what's what's your concern? What would you like to talk to them about? And if it's something that I can help resolve and alleviate the need for come before the council, if it's a concern about a parking issue, I'll say, Well, let me talk to the police chief and we'll see if we can, you know, come up with some ideas. And I'll get back with them. Sometimes it makes it go away. Okay. That's my job
0: to work with the public and try to Resolve the issues if I can. But, right at it, if the resident is still concerned after working with him or the respective department head, they are still more than welcome to address the city council or their specific ward representative. However, Councilman Brian Bills, one of the members voting against the resolution, expressed concerns over wording in the policy, which states that the city clerk, with input and direction from the city administrator, will prepare and make financial decisions on agenda content and the order of content. What I have a problem with
1: is it is you having or Mary or or anyone that's not an elected member to have final decision on what comes before the council, which is the agenda items. I have problem with that. Okay. We should have a decision of what comes before
0: nope. However, Wright quickly countered, saying the council still had complete control over the items on the agenda, sparking a brief back and forth with bills. Brian, you're absolutely right. It is absolutely up to you and the mayor what you want on the agenda. This not is if not, we, not if we wrong, no, wrong, wrong,
1: You right. wrong. No. That's not what that says. Uh, and, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, Brian. That's not what it says. What if we? you you email us, come in, send us anything, walk in the door, by noon Thursday and said I'd like this on the agenda, it'll be on the agenda. Okay. All setting out is timing and then saying when it comes time to writing them on the
0: agenda and getting them out the door, that's Mary's my, my job. Previously, and with the clarification policy, council members and the mayor have until Thursday at noon before a city council meeting to submit items to the clerk and administrator to be put on the agenda. Meanwhile, Councilwoman Janice Lester, who voted in favor of the resolution, says Wright and Bolton provide the much-needed legal advice and help filter what issues need to go through the procedural process with the council. I think
1: that this resolution helps clarify the things that they had said about, you know, I don't Particularly, I mean, if someone has a concern, that's fine. I think they should be able to filter it. You should be able to filter it, whatever. But I don't think that everybody needs to come to the city council for something that could be solved ahead of time. Lester
0: was joined by Councilman Scott Keith and Pete Wenhoff in favor, while Councilman Tim Friedhoff also voted against the resolution. Plans for a major renovation of an important city street are under consideration in Clarenda. Meeting in regular session Wednesday, the Clarenda City Council heard a presentation from Dave Sturm, project engineer from Snyder & Associates in Atlantic. Sturm is helping the city with a project to resurface Glen Miller Avenue from Garfield Street to the Highway 2 intersection this summer. Sturm says he would propose going from the current four lane configuration to a three lane, which includes a center turning lane as well as bike lanes on both sides. This isn't the first
1: time it's been done, um, so they have
0: plenty of history on this to show that it reduces crashes
1: to about half. Uh, another item is that it greatly reduces the left turn and the rear end crashes. Uh, the left turn where someone's sitting in that left, left lane waiting to turn left and there's somebody coming and they can't see the second car in that outside lane, this eliminates that problem, so that's why left turns are great, greatly reduced. Under the new
0: configuration, the speed limit will be lowered from 35 miles per hour to 25 miles per hour. Sturm says three-lane roads are being implemented around the state due to improved safety. He says the DOT recommends three lanes for roads with a traffic count under 20,000 cars per day. He says the highest traffic count on that stretch in Clarinda was 7,500. People think that traffic will back up, and in fact, this is not the case.
1: You know, if there happens to be an accident, generally they move it to that center lane. You know, it's not a through lane. They get it out of the way and people can uh, still have the through traffic. Uh, there might be a slow driver occasionally. Yes, that can happen. You know, it's, it's just the one lane in each direction. That is, that is something that can happen.
0: During the presentation, the council also heard from Pastor Mitch Grosomey of the First Baptist Church, which sits at the intersection of Miller Avenue and Division Street. With the proposed three lanes and bike lanes, Grosomey says the church would lose its only handicapped parking spot. That's the only disabled parking
1: we have. We have a nice parking lot out back, and so if it wasn't for our elderly and disabled, I probably wouldn't even be concerned about it. I I love the idea of of bike lanes. I sit in my office and I watch people ride by on bikes, and, and I love it. I just ask that we be a part of the conversation and that you consider our disabled parking as we have this
0: conversation and as you move forward. Following discussion, the council asked about adding parking spots outside of the bike lane to accommodate handicapped stalls. City manager Gary McLarnan says he will work with Sturm to come up with a plan on how to accommodate some sort of handicap parking in that area. Council members took no action on the proposal to switch the road's configuration, but more discussion is expected at future council meetings. With record high gas prices and an announced ban on Russian oil, Iowa's two U.S. senators are proposing increased support for biofuels in the country. In a joint conference call Wednesday morning, Iowa Senators Joni Ernst and Chuck Grassley announced they're co-sponsoring the Homefront Energy Independence Act. Ernst says the bill would institute a permanent ban on Russian oil imports and replace it with increased production of biofuels in Iowa and across the country. Our
1: new legislation combines parts of several past bills that we've worked on together that would make E-15 available year-round Establish an E-15 and biodiesel tax credit, direct EPA to finalize their E-15 labeling rule, And provide for biofuel infrastructure and compatibility with retailers.
0: In announcing their proposed legislation, Ernst and Grassley both blasted the Biden administration's energy policies. While calling President Biden's announced ban on Russian oil imports long overdue, the senators say Biden puts too much emphasis on electric vehicle production and not enough on biofuels. And that wraps up another edition of This Week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.